Welcome to the Being Human UTU podcast, where Dr. Randy Jasmine and Dr. Jim Hindigas will discuss issues relative to the humanities and technology at Utah Tech University. And now your hosts for Being Human UTU podcast, Dr. Randy Jasmine and Dr. Jim Hindigas. Welcome to episode number nine. We've got a great episode planned with plenty of guests. And to introduce our topic, I'm going to turn it over to my partner, but I forgot to say my name. So I'm Randy Jasmine. Everybody knows you, Randy. <laughs> and uh, I'm Jim Hindigas. And this is a, a an episode that we're going to talk about something that is sort of invisible. And it, we, we encounter in the educational space all the time. And so when we, t- we were thinking about topics in January, I thought, well, I've just spent a significant portion of time prepping my classes in Canvas. Let's talk about Canvas. And that's a technology that you use all the time. It impacts humanities, impacts all the things we do. But yes, like Randy said, we have a full house today. And so I want to intro- or have the people in here introduce. We've never had this many people in here. In fact, I may or may not admit that my having the extra people have caused technical difficulties, which is kind of exciting. So anyways, I want to introduce uh, here the, the people in this room. Hello, everyone. I am Rachel Huntsman Baldwin. I am a master's student here doing the technical writing and digital rhetoric pro- program. And I am also a graduate assistant instructor. So I'm teaching um, English 1010 and 2010 this semester. I'm Carrie McCutian. I'm also a graduate student in the technical writing and digital rhetoric program. And a, uh, so I teach 1010 and 2010. And I uh, am a non traditional student but I did most of my undergrad online and teach now. Uh, and I'm Ethan Morin. I'm a undergrad um, literary studies major. Um, yeah, excited to be here. Ethan's going to be the, 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 the person with the eyes on the other side of the wall. The, the rest of us four use Canvas to teach and to instruct. And, you know, it's funny because I even had an incident like this happen yesterday where a student was saying, I'm seeing this in Canvas. This is happening in Canvas. And I had to have that student, you know, on the classroom computer pull up their Canvas page because I don't see the other side. I don't see the student side. And there are differences to it. And so we're really glad to have Ethan here and uh, get his feedback as, as far as what the student side of Canvas looks like, because I'll be perfectly honest with you, over the years, when I've heard about problems with Canvas, it's usually from the student side that what we think as instructors is going out to our students isn't always exactly what they're seeing. So this is going to be a, a great discussion about, you know, Jim, in your opening comments, you used the word invisible. And that kind of struck me. We do think of it as being there and we don't even realize it. We just expect it to be. So I'll just kind of open up with this question to the to the group. What kinds of I mean, would you be surprised if you walked into a classroom and you had an instructor who didn't run most of their class through either Canvas or some other kind of learning management system? Yeah, I think so. Um, 
I've had instructors who don't like to even post their courses until the first day of the class. And even that is like a curveball. Because for me, when it's the start of a new semester, I like to get an idea of like, you know, what's on the syllabus, at least on the first couple of pages, what are the books? You know, I like to get an idea of what I'm walking into. And so if somebody decides not to post that, for me at this point, it's almost an expectation that, you know, three or four days before I actually show up for class, um, I can get some information on the course beyond just the name of the course. Um, and so if I walked into a class and they were like, oh, I, you know, you noticed it wasn't on Canvas. I'm actually, there's nothing on Canvas. I'm not going to post to Canvas. We're not going to use it. I would be, I would be shocked. Yeah. And we've, we've, uh, been instructed to, 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 to do that, um, to post it several days in advance. And what I usually do, and I know our department chair suggests this is put up a little, um, message in the first page saying this course is under this this page is under construction until the first day of class because I'm not a procrastinator but I am certainly someone who up to the eleventh hour is still deciding between texts that I'm going to teach deciding between you know assignments that I'm going to have and so you could look four days before class and there still might be some changes um, that could be made. But yeah, that's, that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm thinking about, that there's this level of expectation and sometimes instructors don't see it the same way that students see it. But, you know, it's very interesting that you say you want to know what the course is about. You want to see what, what's in the course. And it's not even an online course a lot of times, right? Even in your face-to-face class, you're, you're, you have that expectation, right? Yeah. And, and I, wanna, I invited Carrie and Rachel here because they're straddling this line, which is very interesting between student and um, an instructor. You're new instructors, and I'm wondering, with that information, that that desire to get a Canvas course up, to know all the things that are going on in the course, you're also seeing it from a student and simultaneously as a student and an instructor. I mean, are there some things that strike you? I mean, I guess my, my one of my questions would be, is there something, are there advantages or positives that you really like about Canvas? Uh, and feel free to jump around and say, well, but there's also some some cons to it. So I'll speak about um, one experience that I had as an undergraduate student. I did have a professor that preferred that I email my papers to him versus online. And so that was not that was not something that I enjoyed. <laughs> to Ethan's point, like you have that expectation of I'm going to submit it on Canvas. I can see that it was successfully sent. And then any kind of comments that he might respond back. I, I anticipated that. I wanted that. Um, but as far as like navigating, you know, from student to uh, instructor, I really appreciate and like having Canvas because it is um, a means for me to, to communicate and to deliver my content. And I think that students expect and they want that. They want that digital connection so that they can look ahead and say, I can see what's coming up. Yeah, that part has has been a little tricky for me because I really am figuring this out as I go along because I'm teaching English composition, which I love, and I have a bit of a background in English language teaching, like teaching immigrants and and people who want to speak English as a second or foreign language. Um, But, you know, coming into the Canvas side of things, I had to try to get everything decided at once. And... like my first semester especially, I hadn't t- 
taught in Canvas before, and there was quite the steep learning curve because I had worked as a professional grader for a different institution, and so I had you know some familiarity with SpeedGrader, which is what we used to create student assignments. And I also had some experience, you know, taking online classes, but just the sheer amount of like decisions that you had to make. And yeah, you can change some things here and there, but it's like, okay, you have to get your syllabus completely ready. You have to get your schedule completely ready. You have to try to have these things so they are ready for students to see on day one. And so I've kind of adapted a little bit. I didn't have things as filled out as I would have liked. I did have a clear schedule. You know, these are the big projects. These are the big project days. Um, but I've also been, you know, Canvas does have a really nice feature where you can decide if you want to publish something or not. And so that has been helpful for me as I've been organizing the course. And so it's like, okay, I can stick this in this week. Oh, well, I'm deciding to move it to a different week. And, and so, you know, next semester when I teach a class that I've taught before, because I've been teaching new classes both times and building completely new things, next semester it'll be much easier to have a fuller schedule. But in the meantime... I've been very much learning Canvas as I go. Even with training and things, it's still just a very different interface. And then you have to figure out how do quizzes work, how do discussions work, how do papers work. And then, you know, oh, I have to decide what kind of file types they can submit with. And there's just so many decisions that have to be made as an instructor that can be pretty overwhelming. On Canvas, there's this feature where you can flip, as an instructor, you can flip from student view to instructor view. And so I think in this conversation, we will move around between instructor view and and student view. And, and you brought up a really good point about this expectation that we that the course needs to be developed when it's in Canvas. And there was a part of me that, um, and we'll talk a little bit about personal experience in classroom. You know, I do re- recall as a student a time without Canvas and a time when it was just, I got the syllabus and, you know, show up next week reading pages something to something and we'll see what happens. And there's not this time where all the PowerPoints for the class are, are posted online. And so uh, from the instructor view, there's this degree of pressure that you, you you brought up, which is everything needs to be available, but then also the empathy that I have for a student is, why wouldn't I, as an instructor, have the course developed from day one? (laughs) So how do you feel about that idea of getting your course developed and that pressure to to have everything online, um, to to have everything stored on there? I, it's, part of what's tricky to me, like I said, is, is just that I do much better navigating the dynamics of the classroom than I do the online course. And that's not to say that I'm bad with technology or things. It's just very different. And so like, you know, if I want to change what's assigned for homework or something, you know, is it what it says on Canvas or not? It's just like, I don't want to change things on the students too much, even if I find something is more appropriate than another thing. And so I feel like if I don't have to have it there like three weeks in advance, then I can have that flexibility and change. And so my canvas is more bare than I'd like, but I do know the concepts I want to teach. It's almost like I have like two lessons or three lessons in my head for the students. And then class time is where it's like, okay, this is the one that's more important today. And so that's kind of where I'm struggling. And we'll see how it is next semester when I have, you know, my canvas modules already built for the courses that I can teach. I am also building um, my 2010 class as a hybrid class, so meaning that we meet once a week face-to-face, and then the rest of my content is delivered online. 
And so there is a certain aspect about being in the classroom and having that flexibility to adapt on on demand. Um, I can get instant feedback from my students, and I can I can kind of tell on their faces how they're receiving the information. Versus online, it is it is different. Um, one of the, I'll speak to a, just a little challenge that I've had is that I've done little mini recordings, little mini lectures, and I load those up online. So that was one of the things that I felt like, to Carrie's point, it takes a little bit of time, a little practice um, in getting that, in getting the content online the way that you want to get it loaded. But then um, I had a, an experience the other day, uh, just two days ago, I had a student email me and I love, I love these students that they, they cushion the problem with a compliment. And so <laughs> what I mean, professional skill. <laughs> she was so gracious. And so what she did, she emailed me and uh, she was like, I genuinely love your course. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, that you are, uh, that you give us um, the deadlines and you tell us what's coming up. And then she said, she's like, but I do have a question about this assignment. I can watch the video, but I cannot add my comments to it. And so to Randy's point, um, it's choosing. I had loaded the assignment as a page versus an assignment. And so it's just learning, um, you know, how to, how to properly get the assignment loaded for that hybrid course. But overall, I would say that, I, that I'm really loving it because I feel like I'm just adding another skill to my tool belt. I had an experience just in class yesterday with my students where I, you know, had been deciding on a major project and it's like, okay, I decided I'm going to use this one. And so I copied a big essay over from our department chair's um, sandbox module that he has, and then I was going to modify it and things like that. And so I did, you know, I made my own version of it for my students. Um, but when I got to, and I had to change the due date. Well, when I got to class, my students were all like, what's going on with our grades? We have this zero for this paper that like hasn't happened yet. And because of the settings I had, like Dr. Peterson had had it assigned at a previous point in the semester. And so Canvas automatically gave everybody zeros for this major final essay, which is a significant portion of their grade. And so then all of a sudden I was like, wait, how do I navigate this? Because like I don't want them to have like a zero showing, but you know, they haven't done the assignment yet. I don't want to like everybody a hundred. So I had to try to quickly figure out how to navigate that. But like, to me, I had changed the due date. It's like, okay, it, like it's not actually due. It's just that it had automatically populated zeros for not submitting something when it was initially loaded and due. Interesting. When it, it's funny I, as a, I have had that experience as an instructor that, you know, I'll, I'll have something that pops up and, Oh, that student looks like they're failing because I didn't enter a grade. Oh, whoops. And I'll fix it. But so Ethan on the student end, you know, how does it feel when things don't go what's expected on canvas? <laughs> it's uh, probably more terror than I feel probably as an instructor. Yeah. It's, it's confusing. I think I, I'm probably not great. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not always super worried about my grades personally, and I, that sounds really bad, but that's not how I approach school. Like, I, you know, I, I put in the effort and I always just kind of hope that things will work out. So, for me, if, if something shows up that I know it's not right, then for me, it's like, oh, well, that's not right and we'll fix it. But I think one of the things for me, um, 
uh, with different instructors, people use it differently. Different instructors use it differently. And so if you upload something as a file or as a page, like there's different areas where different instructors will upload, whether they're like PDFs or assignments. And and one thing that I've had to realize is is as I get to know certain instructors, you know, people will, you know, sometimes in a course um, there will be files under pages, sometimes it'll be under files, sometimes it'll be under modules. And it can get confusing sometimes trying to find when, when say, when somebody says, oh, you know, today we're discussing this reading that you were supposed to read. And sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I couldn't even find it. I mean, I checked in three different places, it feels like, and I'm not even sure where you posted this. And so there's been times for me where I'm not even sure how to access something, even though it's on Canvas, and that sounds great. But sometimes, once you actually get on Canvas, you realize it's not as simple as you know. And if people use it differently than as a student, if the instructor, you know, builds it differently than as a student, I have to access it differently. And if somebody's using it in a way that I've never seen before, then it's going to throw me off. But yeah, and I think that there's a, a theoretical um, element to this. You know, going back to to Jim's comment about the days before Canvas and learning management systems. Um, you know, I was a student. You know, in fact, I I finished my graduate work without ever. I, I took an online course or two, but I did. I never took a face to face course that had a learning management system as part of it. And one of the you know, there's positives and negatives. And part of it is, you know, you started to describe it, Jim, the, the kind of demystification of the relationship between the student and the professor in the old days. You know, a lot of times if you were new, particularly to a school, you they didn't even know what the professor looked like. And you're waiting for the professor to come through the door and share with you the syllabus on that first day. And then after you turn in a hard copy assignment and you were told, OK, the papers will be graded or the exams will be returned on this day. And you waited in anticipation for that time, you know, that class time was when you were going to get your assignment back. And of course, Canvas makes it so that a lot of that isn't quite as mystical as it once was. You know, we, our grades, I mean, we could make a setting in Canvas that not to release grades on an assignment until everybody's is graded. I don't use that feature. So once I finish grading an assignment, the student can see the grade, can see my comments. And I think that's great. I think that's a, a great um, feature for students, and I think it helps in their learning process. But at the same time, over the years using Canvas, I've kind of developed a system where I, you know, wait until I make everything available. So I've got an entire class schedule for the semester that my students can see, but assignments and even resources like, I guess, if we're going to be old-fashioned, lecture notes um, aren't available until I get closer to that time because you have students who take the opposite extreme and say, I'm going to do everything in the first three weeks because I know I'm going to be busy at the end of the semester. So they're doing assignments that are going to be based a lot on class discussion and interaction with their fellow students and things like that. So you have to be kind of very careful. You know, Canvas makes it so we need to be at our best as professors. Like you said, have the course ready to go. I, you know, to make a sports metaphor, I think of it as the the new transfer portal. And I've heard, you know, people interviewed, you know, coaches interviewed who don't like the transfer portal. It's like we have to keep recruiting them all the time. And I'm like, thinking, yeah, you've got to, you know, you know, 
live up to your promises all the time if because they <laughs> might transfer and go someplace else. And I think that we're held to a same level of accountability with a learning management system that we can't just, you know, we all know the story of the professor who kind of flies by the seat of his or her pants and doesn't do anything until the very last minute and isn't very organized. It's hard to be that professor in the day and age of Canvas. It's it's really hard to, to, uh, to get away with some of that kind of stuff. And I think that's good for the students. But at the same time, and this is the philosophical point, there still needs, Canvas needs to be there to serve the learning that goes on in the classroom and as a result of the classroom. Um, if, if it were just, I'm going to put everything on Canvas, all of my lecture notes are there, all of my PowerPoint slides are there, all of my assignments are there, we could do this without even really wasting our time of meeting in the classroom. You know, let's, let's get rid of that. Well, then you've got an online class in a lot of ways, right? I mean, that's, and that's a different way of learning. So philosophically, I'm always striving to make sure that Canvas is serving the learning that primarily happens or at least is um, started in those 150 minutes per week that we meet in the classroom. One, one of the things that you were talking about in that is this idea of personalization, you know, the concept that, um, you know, it, it encourage us, encourages us to strive as instructors to grow in our pedagogy. But at the same time, I mean, I, I was thinking when, when you were, you were talking about earlier on in there is, um, kind of when our online course training, the emphasis of, of building connection with students, being aware of the fact that in an online course, there's such a distance between the student. And I was actually thinking <laughs> with our, our previous conversation with AI, it's like it would be terrifying to think that a student who I've never met could just create AI writing, and then there's just this completely artificial relationship in the learning process. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that they are turning in work that's not theirs, and they're not can making any connection in the learning environment. So we have to strive in Canvas to make that connection. And uh, I'll, I'll say this. I, I really wanted to say this because um, that personalization, for me, there's some nostalgia there. Uh, the, the, the fact is that I remember getting papers back and, and flipping to the final page to see if I got that <laughs> A, that exciting, like, good job, Jim, and um, versus now where it would just pop up as a screen. And, and I wonder, you know, how much is that personalization either lost or just transformed in the learning process? I know that for me, with my experiences in online classes, um, I did not have a connection with my teachers or my programs. And, and part of that, you know, is just that we were still figuring it out as we're going along and things. You know, this was pre-pandemic. I would hope that people post-COVID-19 pandemic and all the shutdown and everything have grown a better awareness of the power and, and the, the lack that online classes can have. Um, but I, I do feel like a lot of times Canvas does help, at least for me at least, um, because it does have clear visual organization. This is what we're doing. I'm able to use it to say, these are the due dates very clearly. Like I use little headers that say, due Tuesday in class, due Thursday in class, due Saturday night. Um, so that I can give my students those clear expectations. I'll make a comment on that. I, uh, 
So as far as um, that connection and that community that you build with with uh, the students. I had a professor this last semester. I had a proposal that I turned in. And uh, I thought the way that she handled my final paper and her grading was brilliant. So um, we were in the classroom, and she was, she was delivering grades to everybody. So she kind of, she held back before she published it, and then she published it and she said, okay, you can take a look at your grades now. And she goes to go to the, the back page to see my love note. And I loved that she said that. <laughs> go to the back page so you can see my love note. Um, and I, so I think that as an instructor, it is what we do to make that connection to the student. Um, my background, I should say my undergraduate degrees in communication studies, and so I really embrace the idea that um, communication is a lifeblood of relationships. So that's, that's our responsibility to make those personal comments back on the, uh, the students' papers so that they feel comfortable in talking to us, you know, following up with us, or having follow-up conversations in the classroom. If it is a hybrid or an online class, I, I really like that follow-up communication. I have a comment on that as well. As a student, I love, I mean, it's rare these days that I turn in a hard copy of a paper, but I also love getting back a hard copy of a paper with, with notes on it. But when I when I get Canvas notifications that there's comments being made on a paper I've submitted, sometimes I almost don't want to check those. And I don't know why that is, but there's, it feels like cold. And, you know, and, and, some, and sometimes if it, it does, there's that distance between me and the instructor, you know, when I can read somebody's handwriting, you know, there's a more personal element to it. But then sometimes, and, and you know, sometimes when I turn in a paper, I feel good about it and I feel like I did, I did good work. And sometimes I feel like, you know, that wasn't as good as I could have done. And so then sometimes I know there's going to be criticisms. And sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to see comments on this criticizing my work because I already know it wasn't that great. And, I, you know, and so sometimes it takes me a couple of days to look at those comments. Whereas if I get a hard copy back, I'm excited to see what, what you know, what's what are, even the criticisms, you know, how can this be better? But sometimes Canvas to me makes me scared of getting comments on my work. And I, I don't know exactly why that is, but, but it, it happens. So one thing that, you know, the, the impersonal nature, you know, can, you know, kind of have us miss out on the relationships that we can form with students and, and the personalized interactions and things. But it also was really useful when I was a professional grader. And my goal was, okay, I need to grade these 120 assignments this week. I need to grade all these essays so that the students can get good, actionable feedback back and they can move on to other concepts. And in that regard, when I didn't know who the students were, because I was just assigned a queue, it's like first in, first out, um, I could grade very quickly and very efficiently and be consistent and not have, you know, for me, some of the anxieties and concerns over the students that I now grade for in person. And so it takes a little longer to grade for them, even though you know, I still do my best to grade objectively in things, all of a sudden there's more emotions involved than there were the previous time, which is good and bad because, you know, I can give targeted instruction to my students that I grade for personally, but... You know, I'm only grading for, you know, 22 students this semester, whereas I was grading for like 120, which, you know, it was different circumstances and things. But just there are pros and cons and trade-offs. Yeah, and I think you have to strike a balance. As an instructor, you have to try to strike a balance in that relationship because 
I, I really like uh, a lot of, and, and I can relate to a lot of the comments that have been um, given about this idea of that connection between student and teacher. And you struggle sometimes, and you strive for it with online classes, and it is definitely harder. But in those face-to-face -face classes, you have that connection. But is the connection too close sometimes? You know, in the early days here, uh, and Jim, you'll probably remember, we go through, you know, training for online courses, and it kind of gravitated from being an online principal to being a face-to-face -face principal. Oh, if a student emails you, you know, you should email them right back. You know, you, they, they need to get that immediate response from you. And, and I remember in one session, now you're not required to respond to them, you know, over the weekend, but if I were you, I sure would do that. And all of a sudden you, you start thinking in your mind what what's my responsibility if a student emails me you know a non-emergency concern at 11 o'clock on a Friday night am I obligated and I happen to be you know awake and I see the message come in what's my obligation as far as that relationship goes I think that's something that we need to think about it just a we're sharing kind of quirky stories I had a student and I didn't realize you could do that but she had set her notifications so that anytime I made a comment in Canvas speed grader she got uh, uh, an update and in in composition courses, particularly in the draft stage of, of um, assignments, I make a lot of comments, you know, uh, content comments, but also grammar and style comments. And, you know, I was grading, I was going over her draft, you know, 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night, and made 25 plus comments on the paper. And she told me the, ne the next time she saw me in class, yeah, I, my, my notification kept going off. I kept getting this <laughs> notification that you had made a comment. And I'm like, you, you got to change those notifications. You can't get a notification every time I make yeah. a comment. So that that was not a, there wasn't a negative aspect to it, but that was a perfect example of that's when the student teacher relationship has to be a little less strongly connected, right? I had one instance where I was giving annotated feedback on someone's submission and they noticed and they kept leaving comments of their own, like trying to respond to me and talk to me while I'm trying to focus on grading and it was a little tricky because it's like I'm not done grading yet like I literally have like three comments on like the first page and so it was a little distracting and interrupting because it's like I need to focus on your assignment I'll talk to you later yeah and, and I can I can see I think I can see what was in that student's mind they were seeing it as a a, a kind of online conversation mm -hmm. which we're so familiar with in in other contexts where mm -hmm. it is literally a conversation and and you weren't you weren't striving for that at that time and I right. could see how it could distract you from getting yeah, especially, getting your grading done. Especially because in that role I was just a grader. I was not the instructor and they say, you know, respond to greater questions through this specific form. And so part of that is like institutional rules. It's like the graders are supposed to be objective and not do things. So like I was involved with Canvas and evaluating, but that they're supposed to like follow up with their instructor or submit through this one process. And, and so they were, it was hard because I, I did want to talk to that student. I did want to say, hang on a minute and, and things like that. But in that specific role, I was only using Canvas to evaluate their work and was not supposed to talk with that student. And so that's just another thing that can come up with Canvas. 
as you know system philosophies for using canvas how do you use canvas how do you have instructors use roles do you have graders and but that's a whole nother discussion i'm going to add to this <laughs> so i had randy as um a professor as a I, I took one of your courses it was 2600 and it was online right and it was online and i was that student i was good it was like oh, it was like the a story of you that he's talking <laughs> about no. it was not me but it was not me but a very similar experience so i'm going to say that when ethan was like i almost don't want to check i had a mixed bag of emotion because i was getting it was like real time comments that i was receiving on one of my assignments that i had turned in and it was um you know you can have improvement here i would like to see this i really like this and it was coming to me like real time so that was it was fun but i can see from a professor perspective i don't want to have my students try to engage with me while i'm grading their paper <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like I said, I think it's a balance that you have to strike. I think, you know, going back to that physical copy um, that we've talked about a couple of times, I think you could tell a lot, or at least this is a personal thing, I guess, I could tell a lot easier when you're maybe making too many comments. You know, there's research out there that suggests that, you know, too much feedback, even in a draft situation, you know, when, okay, this is literally the rough draft of, uh, of a research paper that you were then going to take my suggestions and turn into a final draft that you can overdo it and students will shut down sometimes when they see just too many comments and you know I struggle and I think it's part of my training in composition and I feel as though I have to help my students improve their writing so that means most of my comments come off as being you did this wrong or you could do this better if you did this so they come off being you know, negative comments and students in an online environment, even if it's a face-to-face -face class, but they're receiving that feedback online, it, it could just be overload really quickly. And then the whole, the whole purpose is defeated. Then they're not, then they're not reading the feedback and they're not going to take those suggestions into consideration as they prepare the final draft. So, you know, I guess that's my theme because this is probably the third time I've said it. You got to strike a balance, right? in terms of the comments that you make, pick the most important comments and focus on those and set the nature of the relationship between yourself and the student um, at a certain level and then, and then keep it that way because I think that's the most beneficial. We want to demystify the student-professor relationship, but at the same time, there's still a level of separation that needs to, to exist there. Well, and the consistent theme of technology is we're going to make your life easier. So it's it's supposed to make your life easier <laughs> as a student to be on Canvas. And then it's, I mean, I think about too many comments. I, I think about the fact that, you know, um, in, in different commenting programs, you can cut and paste or have template. And it's true. I mean, a comma splice is a comma splice. And so I don't need to keep explaining it differently but at the same time I look at some papers that I send out to students and it's all just sort of template responses and I wonder about that personalized aspect of am I actually helping the student personally or am I just looking at a paper as fast as possible and efficiently and it's it's not a personal exchange it's just a uh, um, you know a, a computer diagnostic of their their paper 
So, so, the, so we'll take the next step to what you talked about before. We'll have AI generating the work, yeah. and we'll have AI. we'll have AI responding to the work. And mm-hmm. you know, the student, uh, we and the students can go out and have a cup of coffee, and you know, just in, enjoy enjoy the nice weather, right? In, in my usual theme of of uh, analogies that only relate to people in my own generation, uh, <laughs> it's like that the scene in Real Genius, if you've seen that, where uh, the all it is is it's a it's a the instructor has a, a recorder giving a lecture and the students are just recording it. And so everybody's doing something else while, while the machines are doing it. I, I also wanted to mention that I think Canvas solved some of this personalization problem by adding emojis in the comment section. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> um, I, I always think it's funny. I'm like, well, you know, like it's great that, but it's also in this social media vein where there's no emojis that, that are negative. So there's no like, you failed in the like, uh, <laughs> bomb ex- exploding on it but it's, it's all about like claps and hearts and things that are on the emojis well that's good that balances out my my negative uh, comma splice and unclear pronoun comments just stick a smiley face on it exactly um ethan let me ask you this um when you uh, have an assignment and um, you say sometimes you don't like to maybe look at the comments right away, what are the kinds of things you're expecting from uh, your professors? I know you said you're a, an English major in the lit studies emphasis, so you probably write a lot of um, critical literature, uh, critical um, theoretical type essays. Are you looking for formative comments that help you improve or are you looking for um, instructors to talk about, you know, this is where you did a good job on this or maybe some combination of all of those things? I think it's a combination, um, but I think for me, I always hope that my instructors will help me improve as a writer. So if there's improvements that can be made, that's that's stuff that I want to hear um, because you know, if, if I'm good at one thing and, and instructors always tell me I'm good at this and I never, you know, I get scared that if there's something I could do better at, but nobody ever says this is, this is a weakness or here's something to work on. You know, if I'm not getting constructive feedback, criticism, you know, is, am I actually going to improve as a writer? Um, and so I, I do, I do look for some criticisms because I expect, I expect that I've, you know, I can make lots of improvements. Um, and, and ironically, after I actually check the comments, sometimes I end up wishing that there, there was still actually more. But I think for me, you know, in my own analogy, it's almost like if somebody sends you a message or calls you or texts you and says, hey, can I ask you a favor, as opposed to just asking you a favor. For me, if somebody says, hey, can you do something for me, I always kind of have to say, well, maybe, depends on what it is. Why don't you just <laughs> tell me, you know? And so it's like if, I, if, I'm, if I'm being told there's comments being made on your paper, as opposed to, you know, looking at it and seeing the comment, I think it's almost kind of like, oh, the comments. You know, that's a, you know, that could mean anything. Um, and so it, it becomes kind of like, oh, well, you know, what if it's bad comments? And what if I did, did a poor job? But what if I did, what if I, my paper is much worse than I, than I imagined it was? I, so I think for me, it's easy to get carried away. But, but I definitely look for, for criticisms as well as maybe a few things where maybe I didn't realize something was, was as effective as it was or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty open minded, I think, when I do get feedback. 
I don't know if it makes you feel any better that this trauma just never goes away about what the comments <laughs> are about. But I actually, it's funny, I'll, whenever I get a notification for a student commenting on one of my comments, I immediately assume it's like, how dare you? Uh, and then usually it's like, thank you for your feedback. It's almost always that, that way. And what I always think is really funny is that maybe there is this deep down aspect of getting that comment that it's just so much more jarring versus you know a love note uh, it's it, ominous it, it is it's just sort of I don't know if I I just don't expect good news to come digitally <laughs> and, and that might you know again connect to that kind of mystification of the relationship between the the professor and the student that you know in the old-fashioned model the the professor is the person who has all the knowledge and is going to share that knowledge with the student and the student is going to be called to upon to do certain tasks and and the professor is going to criticize the the student primarily in a way to make them you know perform the tasks better and um i i think you know like the the high-minded platitudes that we hear about you know the internet has democratized knowledge and democratized all these things i think there is to some extent you know, a democratizing element to a learning management system like Canvas that, that does allow that relationship to not be the master holds the secret and the, that, that master is going to share it with the apprentice. One of the really nice things about Canvas as a student, I think, is the ability to share your knowledge and information without the social anxiety of the classroom for introverted students or for anxious students. I know for for me, you know, I've gotten a lot more comfortable talking with people, but it is nice that, you know, even if you're too shy to talk in class, you can still share your brilliant thoughts on there. And it's also, of course, very handy for disabled students or students who, you know, are non-traditional students. Like, I loved having online you know, learning management software as a student when I had my three young kids at home. And so it, it has these trade-offs, but it definitely is a good tool that does have benefits for a lot of situations. It's just definitely not the same as in person. I had a student last semester tell me, we were in class, and at the end of the end of class, she came up and she said, I would rather not come to class than ask you a question in class in front of everybody. And that was just so sobering to me. Um, she was an excellent communicator through email. She asked me one question after another, after another through email um, for clarifications or looking, looking ahead, or is it okay if I do this in my paper? Um, but that was something that I felt was really sobering that she had that much anxiety in speaking out in front of others in the classroom. And so much edu of education is stretching students, but not breaking them. And so encouraging them to, you know, stretch themselves within their comfort zone. And, and I think, you know, previous to Canvas and these online 
uh, options, you know, it was just sort of like you come to class and you do a student presentation or you fail. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, now it, there are these. I, I, I remember very early on in online education training the, the concept of the discussion thread and the idea that a student can share their thoughts because they just weren't comfortable raising their hand in class and, and that other people can see their thoughts and they can respond to them. And I think it's that's a wonderful option for those students. And, and I mean, once again, striking balance, striking this idea of like, how can you use Canvas so that it's not something that that sort of dulls learning, but enhances it, but and, and stretches certain students, but at the same time, you know, also gives them the opportunity to succeed in small ways if 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 they need incremental growth. I just wanted to make a quick announcement that's going to connect to our next show. Um, Jim and I will be talking to folks at the Digital Humanities 7 Conference up in Cedar City at SUU, and that's taking place February 24th and 25th. Several of our graduate students, our master's students here from Utah Tech, will be participating in that conference. I've attended several of them. It's really a great place to go and learn about the really great projects that are going on in the state, but also in the region involved... Um, uh, involving digital humanities, so we're gonna we're gonna be talking to some folks there. I don't know if we're gonna do a live podcast. We haven't decided on that yet, but that's where we're going to be. So um, be on the lookout for that uh, episode of the Being Human UT podcast. I mean, I think we could probably talk quite a bit more about uh, Canvas, but I think that this has been a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Carrie, Rachel, and Ethan. And uh, just uh, it, was, it was a wonderful conversation, and uh, we're going to wrap up. Uh, so join us next time on Being Human UT. This has been the Being Human UTU podcast with Dr. Randy Jasmine and Dr. Jim Hindigas. Please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. From Utah Tech University, this is the Being Human UTU podcast. This has been a production from a podcast studio.